Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about completionism in video games. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, uh, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we talk about games. And today we're talking specifically about, I guess you could you could say this, this applies to more than just video games, but really I think it applies to video games, right? Like... Somewhere along the lines, this became a common thread for video games, and I'm interested to uh, to to I guess talk about why. Um, yeah, and and just just for a little bit of context, the the event that kind of springs us off is with the coming of the Battle for Azeroth prepatch. The Mage Tower appearances for artifact weapons are forever locked away, never to be seen again by anyone in uh, the world of Warcraft. I got out of that with 2 out of 36. Um, how many did you get, buddy? Holy shit, I got a lot. Um, I actually kind of want to... Come back to me in a second. Let me okay. count them up. Because <laughs> I haven't actually sat down to count them. Yeah, well, like... Um, I actually lost a lot of my drive to get them all when I found out that you can only skin them onto the, uh, the, particular, cla like the particular class and spec. Right? Like, if I could have skinned some of those things onto different different classes, I might have been more driven to, to grab them. Um, like, basically when I found that out, I, I stopped caring about getting Brewmaster, which is fine, um, but it was uh, all pretty neat. Um, the challenges themselves were well-designed, but uh, it presents this kind of fundamental, I don't want to say uh, issue, I guess it's an issue, is, is you cannot, if, if you have missed missed it you can no longer get them and so if you're interested in completing the game 100 and getting everything you can't do that anymore yeah. um well so that might not necessarily be true we don't actually know yet um but it is possible that the challenge weapon appearances show up on the black market auction house which is typically what blizzard does with anything that is kind of like you know gated around this stuff uh, like there are certain armor pieces that aren't in the game anymore when next ramus got bumped up from a level 60 raid um that was like the capstone of vanilla to a level 80 raid uh, that was like an intro level point for um wrath of the lich king uh, a lot of that a lot of gear from old level 60 next ramus got um wiped from the game and you can't get it anymore and they're specifically like recolors right like you know it's a p specific color but what blizzard does is they put it on a on a system called the black market auction house that basically puts up the thing for two days and players can bid on them and they very typically get into the hundreds of thousands of gold you know you have to it's it's an expensive thing um it's also a place for like hard to get mounts and stuff like that like invincible which is the special mount that drops off of arthas um or, you know, uh, uh, the Ashes of Alar, which is the, the Phoenix mount that drops off of Kael'thas, right? Like, that stuff pops up pops up on the Black Market Auction House. Uh, mounts that you can only get through the trading card game, uh, or, like, battle pets that you can only get through the trading card game, right? Like, any of the, those sorts of completionist things can be picked up on the Black Market Auction House. And it is unclear whether or not challenge mode appearances will make their way there. Yeah. Now, this is directly related, but... I could see them doing something like, if you go play Classic WoW, and go get the, get the appearance there. If they can link it to your main account, Oof. getting the appearance that way, that would be cool. That would um, be cool. Um, also motivate people to play Classic WoW because I'm pretty sure no one's going to actually play that game. But that's a story <laughs> for a different time. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I completed 22 of the 36 Mage Towers. 
Three wow. of which weren't even on my account, actually. On the very last day, in like the wee hours of the morning, I was bored. It was like 4 a.m. and the Mage Tower was going away at 8 a.m. And I just happened to realize that I knew Rachel's password. And so I was like, I wonder if I could do the Hunter Mage Towers. <laughs> <laughs> and so I logged on to her character and I did. And sure enough, I did all three of the Mage Towers for Beastmastery, Marksmanship, and Survival. Excellent. Man, I was... So so for my for my outlaw on the Sunday, I spent a bunch of time and I like like milking it for all's worth. Spent about ten k gold just buying buff items. It's like if I'm gonna go for this, I'm gonna go for this, and I couldn't do it on the Sunday. But on the Monday, I got it in relatively short order, and I think part and a big part of it was that um. You know how like that the uh, the imp mother one is is outdoors technically. Yeah, you can use you can use broken aisles weapons. Yeah. or like stuff. Yeah. So they got rid of that apparently at some <gasps> point. Um, but it was but like I don't know if they turned it all back on because they hadn't bought any of the the broken aisles buff stuff. But like you know how like in Azuna like sometimes you get those drag weaplings that spawn on you as like an environmental yeah. effect. They spawned on me on on that Monday and they like basically like broke her uh her shield a couple of times oh oh yeah yeah yeah. with the command tower yeah, yeah. that's how i did it the imp mother is famously the easiest of them um because of that like you can also use the falcosaur omelets which give you a big haste buff. right right um and then you could also use like i used i think it's called like light blood elixir which is a special elixir that like increases your dps by 15 percent against demons or something like that Jesus. so yeah so and these are all things that you can only use if you're in the broken isles and this is the only only one that you can use for it so yeah like like i said they they definitely turned it off before but i think i don't know if they turned it back on on purpose or if it was a mistake but it was definitely you're definitely able to do it on the monday and not on the sunday so interesting yeah 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 it was uh it's actually kind of funny because uh i got so good at the challenges that sometimes because i only plan to do 10 of them but then I completed all 10, and I was like, man, this is just fun. I want to keep doing them. And so I started doing the other ones uh, just to, like, see if I could. And some of them were really challenging. Um, but some of them were just really straightforward and easy. And that Imp Mother one, I, I one-shot the Imp Mother one on Unholy DK, Elemental Shaman, Fire Mage. Like, once once I realized how, how you could break it kind of thing, it was pretty straightforward. Man, I should have given you my password. That way you could have done, like... Brewmaster and assassination. For yeah, me. I never did blue brewmaster. Assassination was really easy though, because assassinate. A big part of these is healing, right? Like, do you have the ability to heal yourself or not? Um, subtlety rogue and assassination rogue are kind of tough because all you have is that thirty percent heal every thirty seconds with the red vial. Uh, but assassination rogue, you can put a you can put a poison on yourself that gives you ten percent leech, so ten percent of all the damage you do gets returned to you as health or whatever, and it's just the easiest thing. Huh. Um, yeah, no, I, I didn't care, so I didn't give give those any... I didn't think those skins were cool enough to care. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I did not intend to do Assassination or Subtlety, but I was just so jazzed about Mage yeah. Tower. That That's I got, fair, that, that is I fair. I got into it, I guess. Yeah. Um, but to, to branch this out to, like, kind of the wider topic, right? Like, the Mage Tower got a lot of action, especially in those last couple of days, in, in a way that I think is really interesting because it speaks to this drive among gamers, or even just kind of among people, right, to go out and get full completion, right? Like, when you hear something is going away, it becomes uh, this, like, tantalizing thing that, like, ooh, now I need to go get it. I need to have this because i know it's impermanent right yeah um 
and I kind of wonder where that came from because I almost because I don't think that it is something that is like I don't know how much this is um, kind of built into the DNA of games or if it is built into subsystems that have been built into the DNA of games right like part of me thinks that this is all Microsoft fa- Microsoft's fault for introducing achievements in the Xbox, right? Like with the Xbox Live and everything like that. And you could sort of see, you know, people's points or whatever for achievements and getting all the achievements in a game and you 100% completioned, you know, and stuff like that. Like, I almost feel like it's their fault for doing this. I, I think it's I think it's older than that. I think, uh, first of all, I think there's a pretty strong argument that like this is just like a, a very inherent human thing, yeah. uh, right? Like coin collecting is a thing, right? Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, I, beyond that, like, specifically in the world of video games, there have been, like, races to completion um, for games. Like, for, for like, uh, I, I think they really started with, um, like, the uh, the first 3D platformers, right? Like, they had a lot of collectathon stuff in like them. Like, 120 stars in Mario 64. I think Mario 64 is not as important, but um, more, uh, more to the point would be, like... Um, would be like Banjo Kazooie, which had like a dozen different collectibles that you needed enough of to get everything, um, and it and it got. I, I guess you could call Mario sixty four like the jumping off point, but it got more refined as time went on. Um, I bet you could you could find stuff before that too, um, that kind of hit that right. Like I'm, I think it's uh, one of the Castlevanias. Famously, you can like get like um, you get percentage of the map unlocked, and like um, it's that's like full algorithm or, or like, it, it's not like, like a set amount. Like it's like you, like the, uh, the game kind of calculates it based on pixels uncovered. So like people are figuring out how to like jazz themselves outside of walls to get like higher, higher than uh so it's 100 for the regular castle. And there's a secret thing that unlocks the other castle. So you can get to 200, I think base. And then like people are figuring out how to like jump outside of walls to get completion rates up to like 280 or whatever. Wow. Um, and, like, obviously that's not a design part of the game, but it was, like, kind of a driver. Um, I think that's kind of, like, the roots of all this. But I, I think the root of, like, the intentionality is definitely in, um, at least in kind of, like, the, the more popular mind space is in the uh, is in the, the 3D platformer space. Just because that's that's the driver for a lot of those games. Because it's no longer, you know, um, like, like, Crash Bandicoot uh, was a game that, like, was in the traditional platformer of like get to the end of the level type of stuff, um, but that, that that kind of like was was basically like instead of being a a three D platformer, it was kind of more like a two D platformer in three D, uh, insofar as like three D platforming is a genre as kind of defined by Mario sixty four, just because I think that that's the 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 uh, the kind of granddaddy of all of this. Um, uh, one of the things that very quickly rose out in that genre is is kind of expanding content by making collectathons a thing. You'll see that in um, in games going forward, all the way to like you know Super Mario Odyssey has a ton of different collect collecting to to do in that game, um, uh, and even branching out into other genres, right? Like uh, the kind of big secret story in Assassin's Creed is not the main missions; it's it's the collectathons of like those pieces of Eden. Um, and there's like collecting a bunch of feathers, right? Like there was there was a while, maybe like I want to say like the early, the, like the late aughts, early tens, where like there were just ridiculous numbers of things to collect everywhere, and people really went for it. Yeah, I mean, because I know that feeling, right? Like 
I like having 100% of a game. Do you know what I mean? Which is weird because I don't know that I've ever done. I, I know one instance I've done it for. Do you? Can you guess? Uh, is it Mass Effect 2? Yes, Mass Effect 2 on the Xbox 360. I have every achievement in that game. Uh, or whatever. It may be called like Stars or something like that. Whatever the case may be, I have all the achievements in that game. Because like, I've played through it a million times. And I've done it so many different ways and stuff like that. Um, and uh, But I have the, an urge to do it also. But I also don't have the same urge to like... I don't know, get everything? I Actually, that's not true. I think I may have gotten everything in Black Flag, in Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Um, but, uh, but like, in Total War, Warhammer, right, like, I want a completion with every race, right? I want to right. play the game with every one of the single races, and that's my, um, and that's my kind of, like, personal goal. It's not about getting all of the achievements, though. Apparently, I have 80 out of 122 of them, so I'm doing pretty good. I, I think I think part of that is um, is like to your point about achievements, kind of like kickstarting this. I, I like you know, like I said, I, I think that they really started on platformers, but achievements were a way to sideload that kind of drive into games that don't have the mechanisms necessary to do it inside of the game, right? Like right, um, you know, like a, a like a like a walking simulator type game. You can. Uh, drive that completionism by adding achievements um, when, like, you know, you're not collecting a ton of foozles in walking simulators, typically. Um, which I think is uh, is neat. It also drives kind of, like, increased engagement with the game, right? Um, but I think, I think a big part of it, especially with the achievement side of it, is um, when you're playing a game, when you hit the the kind of end, like, the traditional end of a game is not always when you are done with the game. In fact, I think a lot of times, like, your enjoyment of the game is kind of hitting its climax as you're finishing the actual game. And this completionist stuff gives you a goal to strive towards, which gives you kind of a reason to keep playing that game beyond uh, completing the main storyline in a way that makes... Uh, in a way that makes sense. Essentially... I don't think it's necessarily there to ne to to necessarily push you to completion to one hundred percent. It's there to kind of like keep you engaged until your enjoyment falls off enough that you just kind of like put it aside. Um, but it, it like gives you a motivator to keep doing it, whereas they would have to be self imposed goals otherwise. Um, uh, like like I guess I guess one of the one of the the analogous things this is, is is something like speed running right like doing the game again but very much but you know much faster you know and, and putting it that way actually makes me feel pretty good about saying like that maybe part of it is uh, is allowing a wide kind of web and possibility space for people to define their own quote unquote win conditions um, like in like in technical terms i guess you would call these implicit win conditions where it's like you know, yeah, if you want your win condition to be completing the story, that's fine, right? But here are achievements that serve as kind of, like, prodding, you know, points of interest for you, the player, to define your own sense of victory and completion by. Um, and I can kind of get into that to a certain extent. Like, I don't know, because I, I wonder, you know, I saw a tweet the other day that was talking about how, you know, we're going to look back at the period of time... Um, then 
we're going to look back at this period of time of, you know, 100-hour games like Skyrim and Assassin's Creed, right? Like, in the kind of, like, you know, like, the early 2010s, I feel like, these are the core of this, right? That that Xbox 360 era of games. And we're going to say, like, why on earth did we attempt to make our games hundreds of hours long, right? Because nobody ever completed them, and that should be sort of a sign that it's not you know that that that's sort of a sign that it's not like a good thing or it's a it's a you know it's an inefficient uh it's an inefficient use of like media or something like that like you know how hard is it to finish a movie versus to finish a game even if you like a game or whatever but i actually think that that kind of misses the point which is that like maybe we shouldn't define our success stories about what is a good um or an insightful game experience or anything like that um, by, you know, like the end screen at the end of the main story and then allowing people to kind of hop in and hop out and do as much as they want is, is overall like better or more engaging when it comes to like making and structuring these games. Yeah. I mean, like, so, so that, that's really interesting because you think of a game like Minecraft or, uh, Kerbal Space Program or Terraria, right? Like, those games, all of them at least started with, like, totally free form, right? Like, with no set goal other than what you gave for yourself. Um, you know, like, I wanted to build the coolest thing. Like, Minecraft, the first goal is survive the first night, but past that, it's kind of openness to, you know, like, do a cool thing. Um, and Kerbal Space Program doesn't have a lot of uh, guides, at least the last time I, I played it. Um, it was kind of like whatever you wanted to do, you know, like, get into outer space, land on the moon. Um, yeah. And... Uh, those, uh, at least Minecraft has added in achievements as kind of like a driving force. Um, and you know, like Terraria has like a hidden story if you look for it. Um, but I, I, I think that that's, that's fairly accurate. Um, and, um, I, I think part of this too is that like, I think there is a certain type of person who does want to be able to like, you know, probably display his 100 badge and be like, I've done it. Um, and for those types of people, I think that completionism is important. Um, and having games that are able to kind of fill that niche in a satisfying way um, is important. Um, and I think there's a dark side to that, too. Like, um, a game I talked about a couple of years ago. Um, what was the name of that game? Uh, uh, Her Story, uh, which was that, that full motion video game that was on Steam. Very cool thing. But, like, it was one of those things where, like... I looked at, I finished the game and I had like something like eight out of 12 achievements or whatever. And I was like, oh, well, this was a short game and it was neat. So what do I need to do to get those last four? Um, and uh, it was basically a bunch of esoteric bullshit, um, which is fine, right? Like it was, uh, it was basically like there were a couple of. Uh, the, the way that game works is you put in search terms and you can watch video clips based on them. And there were a bunch of basically hidden video clips that didn't really do anything. They were kind of like yeses and nos, but in different like tones. Um, and so in order to get like, you've seen every clip you had to like search in a certain way to like get those to reveal. Um, but it's not like I cared about figuring that out. I cared about getting the achievement. So I went and looked it up um, and then went and did it. And, you know, and, not that I fault the game for it, right? Because, like, it's like, yeah, that's a neat enough thing. But, like, and if 
if I had cared enough to want to figure it out myself, I could see that being enjoyable. But it's the kind of thing where it's like, well, I need to get the last four, so I'm just going to go look it up, and I'm going to, like, spend an hour doing this dumb thing that I'm not really enjoying so I have a nice, you know, internet badge with a thumbs up on it. Um, and I'm not convinced that that's, like... And, like, I, I think that's where it can, can go wrong, right? I think you could see this in sort of... In some of, like, the, the middle Assassin's Creed games, I believe, had, like, a ton of collectibles that kind of bogged down the story. Um, in order to get that, that 100%... Do you have any do you have any deeper thoughts on this? Uh, I mean, I like the Assassin's Creed games quite a bit, um, and I do remember hunting for these collectibles. The thing that I was really interested Assassin's Creed Two is one that I really went for the collectibles on, um, and it was because a lot of the collectibles. First of all, they had like little neat puzzles associated with them. Like in order to get them, it's not just like climb a radio tower. It's you needed to find a specific spot and then turn on Eagle Vision and then look in a specific place to find, like, a sigil that was only visible from, like, a, a certain perspective kind of thing. Um, but it also came with, like, neat lore and, like, story stuff. And this was in the days of... Uh, I remember I got really into this. It, this was in the days when nobody knew the story of Assassin's Creed, right? Like, there was a story of Assassin's Creed 1 where, you know, like, you're playing as the person who's jumping back in time with the Animus. And then in Assassin's Creed 2, you are, um, you're playing as Desmond in the Animus, but, like, you're on the run from whatever the co the corporation is called. The Templars, I believe. Yeah, the Templars. Um, I can't remember what their, their, their name is in the, in the game world. Um, the, like, the corporation right, that, right. Like, discovers the Animus technology. And there were all of these hints from previous Animus users... Um, about what the corporation was doing and stuff like that. And I don't even know that they paid off these hints well at all. But there's something about, like, Subject Eleven, you know, who was someone who was trying to imprint his consciousness into, you know, the Animus because he knew that once they were done with him, they were going to kill him. And they were, like, slowly driving him crazy because the Animus was bad back then. And you were looking up all of his hints because he was trying to help you as, like, a future assassin navigate through the animus without like killing yourself or whatever and they're all and they're all of the, the hints and clues were really like cryptic and so i was so into finding those because it's so cool right like that just like the the, the lore and the mystery of it and everything like that um but then i feel like they got lazy about it in later games um so you know yeah yeah i definitely I, I definitely get that. Um, this also reminds me of um, in Super Mario Odyssey. Um, this is something that, that Super Bunny Hop has talked about that um, I'm not in complete agree with it on, but I think it's, it's an interesting frame to it. It's basically, um, there are like something like 900 stars in that game. Um, uh, and a lot of them are really trivial to get. Um, but it's clear, like, you know, if you just get the minimum amount of stars and keep going, right, like, a, a child can finish that game with relative ease, right? Like finish the main storyline. Yeah. But, um, uh, the, the game for like, kind of like the, the more, you know, core gamer, I guess is the best way to put it, um, is doing the completionist stuff, right? Like that you've essentially taken a kid's game and like elevated it to the level of, of a, of a core gamers game by giving them additional content to pursue. Um, and, uh, uh, bunny hop doesn't like this because he, he thinks that they should have cut some of the chaff of those easy-to-get stars and just made the game a better mix of the more difficult stars and uh, the easy stars. 
Um, I disagree with him primarily. I, I think that the way it's set up is just fine, but I do, I do understand kind of like the, there is the kind of mild drudgery of, you know, getting like the, the super, the, the super trivial stars, right? Like the ones where you just like ground pound in the right spot. That's like a clearly raised area or whatever. Um, the and, ones, you get, and you just get a star for that. Yeah. Right. Like there are, there are like super trivial stars. There are undifficult stars and then there are some that are like real challenges especially once you um spoil mild spoilers for super mario odyssey once you beat the game you essentially unlock a second set of stars for each level and most of those are are a fair amount of challenge to get um but that's really like the uh the kind of the 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 end game and kind of like like i said the, the core gamers game and you know yeah maybe that's like hours put in that you didn't need to put in um if if you just wanted those challenging stars to get those trivial stars, but um, I think it's a good balance, and I think that's a good uh, that is a good example of collectibles done right. Like there's access to hints to get you, um, like like the the, the in game there are access to hints to help you find stars. Um, uh, there's a bunch of tools for that. Um, on the flip side of that, something I'm not a f- as big a fan of is uh, each level has purple coins and there are the those purple coins are unique to the level like they've got different symbols on them and there are unique world uh level currency used to buy like cosmetics in the in in the shop but getting all 100 or all 50 of those coins um uh it depends the smaller levels have 50 the bigger levels have 100 um i think is is a much worse thing because there aren't there isn't the same hinting system um it's a lot less easy to to track them because, like, they're lo- like stars are like uh, spread out enough, I guess, that like you can kind of be like, and there's one there, and there's one there, and there's one there, and uh, when you collect them, they get marked on the map, I believe, um, but the coins don't. So like, uh, when I was kind of in the back half of of my playtime with Super Mario Odyssey, um, when I wanted to go collect those purple coins. I go look up guides online, right? Again, one of those things where it's like, I could search for a while, but I'm not super interested in that for just these purple coins. But it was essentially like they would describe where the coins were and I'd be like, and like, you know, half the time I'd go to a location and be like, well, I already collected these and so they're not here. Um, which ones am I missing? And that can get super frustrating. I think that's a much worse set of design. Like the, these kind of like open-ended challenges for piddly little things where, like, that drive to completion drives you to, to kind of, to try and do it, but also, like, doesn't, like, give you enough of a reward to, like, feel good about it, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I feel that. I'm, I'm interested in kind of, like, that balancing act, right, right, like, like, each star, e- even the trivial stars, or their moons in, in, uh, in Super Mario Odyssey, not stars, um, each moon, even the trivial ones, feels like a minor accomplishment, right? There's a list of them. You can look at them. Um, you can kind of fawn over them, right? Like you see your your, your ship, the number on your ship goes up. There's enough accomplishment with each with each moon um, for it to feel worth it. Whereas those coins, it doesn't, but you feel like you need to pursue them anyway. Um, I, I think that like those two like right straddle the line of what's good and what's bad. Um you have you have do you have a good sense of where maybe that balance point is? 
Yeah, I don't know, because I totally get what you're describing. Um, and I, I specifically understand in a game like Super Mario Odyssey, because, like, that really should be accessible for little kids, you know? Um, and so keeping the... Keeping the it's tough because it, it, you expect, like, a fairness to it, in a way. That, like, all moons are valuable, but when it's so hard to get one, and it's so easy to get another, that does feel a little bit weird. Which I guess is Super Bunny Hop's point, right? Um, um, I, I think, like, more of his point, at least as I understood it, was that there were too many moons that were trivial, and those were a board to collect. Um, and, like, oh, as, fair enough. And as completionist, like... Like, you could skip those over, but, like, it's kind of, like, you're not going to leave the one standing out there while you're, like, struggling to get, like, the difficult one. Um, right? Because, like, this, this is interesting. Because, like, challenge levels, right? Like, that's always a thing. Or, like, um, certain super hard to play platformers, Celeste is a, is a good example, have optional challenges for you to do, uh, both in terms of bonus levels or in Celeste. And, and uh, there's also, like, like, collectibles in Celeste. There are, like, these strawberries that you can, that are, represent challenge, extra challenge in the level to uh to collect them um and uh like those always feel all right because it's kind of like purely optional and it's 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 about how much fun you're having with the platforming section um and i will say like there were points where i was like there were points where i was like frustrated enough that i would skip the strawberry and just complete the level because the level, level was difficult enough but in those kind of circumstances the you're playing the game specifically for the challenge of the level i think uh, although i think a lot of these 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 things apply apply across it's just i don't know i guess i had less drive for them right like you could go into super mario odyssey and only go for the most difficult stars but i feel like that's a little bit more onerous than like, especially because a lot of a lot of the easier starts are kind of obvious, right? Like you can see the the moons rather. You can see the obvious moons, and like like I'm busting my ass for this difficult moon. I could just kind of like walk over there and touch that one, right? I don't uh, know. I don't know. Be yeah, I, be I get that because like I I I think I have felt that in a way before, and you hear this about people who uh, who complain about like you know, um, achievements that you get just for completing the story on, like, a basic level, um, where, you know, I'm playing, I'm playing Mass Effect 2, and there's an achievement that is just, you know, like, complete this mission, or something like that, and, like, it just essentially auto-completes, right? Like, you don't have to do anything special, you don't have to do anything crazy, you just complete the, um, you just complete the level, and you get the achievement, and... Um, and yeah, you know, yeah. it marks your progress through the story so that you can, you know, you can, I guess, prove to your friends that, you know, like, see, I beat the game or whatever. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the far side of this, and I think I heard about this happening with some PlayStation games, where, like, PlayStation games that included tons of achievements that were all rote and boring and simple. Um, and the I, with the idea, or I guess, like, the hope... Um, being that, like, you're, I don't, I don't even know, with the idea or, like, the hope being that your, um, uh, uh, your, your, your player base is going to be people who really liked having high trophy counts or star counts or whatever they were called, uh, and you were going to get people to buy it just because they could get easy 
the trophies? I I know that there were that there are a couple of games that are prized for that reason, right? Like among, I guess like the completionist completionists, you know, like the people who who are who are gunning for those top gamer scores. Yeah. Um, there are a couple of games that you can that you get and you complete just because it's really easy to rack up those points. Um, but I also think that that like if that makes you happy. Is that really a problem, right? Like, if you, if if like getting that higher gamer score brings you joy, um, even if it's kind of meaningless, I don't. Know. I like so, something that I think I missed when I was going over this last strawberry thing is like the difference between the moons and the strawberries is the strawberries is purely a bonus objective, whereas the moons are equally kind of contributing towards your end goal, yeah. um, and, uh. I think that's similar to, with, with, like, the achievements, right? Like, the achievements, you don't need to get, right? Like, you you, you could just keep going on with your life. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about, like, poorly designed achievements. Because at, at, at one level, I feel like it they're not really hurting anyone. Um, but maybe they are? I don't... Yeah, I, I feel that way too. In a lot of ways, I think understanding why you are making achievements is a is an important thing. Like so okay, so for instance, one of the um one of the things I love about Europa Universalis is the way that they do achievements. Um, achievements are only acquirable when you are using Iron Man mode, right? So like when you can't save scum, obviously. Um, and they have a lot of achievements that are encouraging you to play the game in like a weird or um or just like in a in a like a particular path right so like there's an achievement called like the the re reconquista um because the reconquista is when uh i guess granada which was muslim you know like because all of spain was muslim at one point but then they got beaten back by by catholic franks i want to say like in the early middle ages um and so, like, the re-reconquista is if you play as Granada, you form Andalusia and recover all of Iberia for, like, the, like the Muslim religion, right? So it's like, it's like a do something that is not, you know, like, do something that is not historical, uh, that, is, that is, like, ahistorical. That didn't happen. The reconquista is them not succeeding at that. Um, or you could do something that does happen, or, or it is something that is, like, telling you to be um to be historical right like so there's an achievement the great khan where you start as mongolia or the great horde and you own or have a subject own all of uh china russia and persia which is what genghis khan did right so like I, it, it, these are achievements that are a way of directing your play you don't go for multiple achievements in one run you go for a different achievement every run and there are some achievements that are like easy baseline accumulate 3000 gold right control three cardinals uh you know uh kill 10,000 men in one battle some you know like stuff like that you could pick up some of these or whatever but a lot of these achievements are going to be achievements that are weird and hard to get and you're going to dedicate an entire run to accomplishing them yeah and then the act is like breadcrumbs for uh, uh interesting ways to play yeah yep Yes, um, I, 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 do, I do think that's that that's particularly good achievement design. Um, I think you see a lot of that also in kind of like some like game challenge, like games that have like that daily play model. Um, 
most recently, I guess, in PUBG, which I don't like the way that that's structured. Um, but, like, uh, just because I think it negatively affects the game. But they're definitely, like, uh, like Destiny. Um, there are, like, uh, challenges for each area. That's like, you know, kill three wizards. Or uh, Warframe, every every mission has, like, a a, a sub-objective that you can get to get, a, to get a bunch of affinity. They're kind of boring. They're, like, get, you know, X number of kills with Y weapon or, or something. Or, like, use Y ability X times. Um but I think those are neat and kind of like getting players to explore their tool set, if that makes sense, um, or kind of experience different pieces of the game. Um, but I do think they can border on on, on onerous at, at certain points, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I also think that there are um, uh, some achievements. Like, I, you know, I almost think WoW fits in this, where there are, like, achievements that are just, like... They, they kind of have all the different kinds. There are some achievements that are procedural, right? Like, which are, you know, just reach level 110. That's a, that's an achievement, right? Um, but there are some achievements that are, like, you know, things that, that drive your 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 play, that force you down a specific, um, a specific sort of path. A, a lot of the Battleground achievements are like this, I want to say, uh, where they force you to do stuff like you be the flag carrier, right? Like, I'm pretty sure there's an achievement in Warsong Gulch that is, you know, you are the the person that caps all three flags that that wins the Warsong Gulch match, right? Um, stuff like that. Um, yeah, there were a couple other things I wanted to address about the WoW achievement system, uh, which are essentially, they have these, uh, they, the achievements have points, but... I don't find myself ever caring about the points. Um, but they do have, like, these hidden achievements, which are, like, feats of strength, which are worth zero points. But they are kind of, like, badges of honor. Um, I find myself drawn to those just because they're, they're so weird. Um, but the one that I... The thing that I want to address about the WoW achievements in particular is uh, achievements sometimes have rewards tied to them, which makes them much more a core part of the gameplay than in, say, like xbox you know xbox live right like you, you don't cash in your achievements for anything but like you know the salty achievement for uh uh for wow gives you the salty title um, right uh how, how do you feel about that about tying like in-game rewards to achievements and, and whether that, uh, that's, that's ultimately a good thing or a bad yeah thing? i mean this is a little bit of what i mean that like wow has it all right um there are certain achievements in wow that are um that give out gameplay rewards that I do find myself going for, right? Like, I'm going for Lorekeeper just because Lorekeeper is a cool... Or Loremaster, I'm sorry. Loremaster is, like, a cool title if I ever want to, you know, have, the, the have like, the Loremaster title. And there's a bunch of achievements, too. Because Loremaster is doing all of the quest achievements in all of the different zones in, uh, in the game. And, like, that is a... You know, like, that's a a compelling thing for me to be spending my time like working on, but I don't really care about certain other achievements. Like I never really had, uh, I never really had a drive to complete salty, um, in like, in the same way. And there are some achievements that I like really actively work towards because, um, you know, they are really cool. For instance, if you want army of the light weapons, you get a bunch of transmog appearances if you kill all of the different rare elite mobs on Argus. Yeah. Um I remember I put a lot of work into getting that one. Yeah, are you doing the sightless eyes or whatever? 
Uh, to get to the one Inquisitor. I have two oh, left. Uh, I have the one where you have three people stand on the rune, which I just haven't gotten three people together to do it. And then I have the one where you have to get 500 eyes in order to buy a special teleporter that lets you go to the, oh, I'm, the I'm, platform. I'm an engineer, so I, I cheese that. I use my glider to like and like moon boots to, to, to cheese my way over there. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a way, there's a way to do it. Um, it is... It was difficult, and it took me like five or six tries. What are moon boots? Uh, oh, there's they're, they're like rocket boots. Um, like engineer, like there there is a a rocket boot engineer's item that basically launches you into the air a little bit, but it gives you just enough height. Um, it's either that or there's like one that also gives you a jump buff. That's like the 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 Argus new tech one. Um, basically, you you get yourself enough height that you can then use your glider to glide to the. Uh, uh, to the platform where the guy is without having to do the sightless eyes thing. Cause like I looked at that and I did that for like 30 minutes. And I was like, I have like five eyes. Like I'm not fucking doing this. Um, but there, there is a way to cheese it. And so I just put the effort into fucking cheesing it. Well, now I need to figure out how to cheese it. Cause I haven't, I haven't done that one, but I, but I want to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did it a while ago. I'll, 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 I'll see if I can find the, the guide video again and, and send it to you. That way you can do it that way. Um, but yeah, like that, you know, as you point out, like like some of these achievement trophies, that was one that I really wanted. I was like, I downloaded a mod that marked where all those people were on the map just so I could check them like every time I was on to see if I, you know, like for for the uh, the you know the randomly spawning ones. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's also there's and, and, and well, there is also another one I was thinking about was um uh the um uh the the god it's called something whatever the the mind worm the riddler's mind worm right um did you have you done those i i i started doing the unicorn one i think i i, I am at the point where you need the um the shadow weave mask and i bought the shadow weave mask but I never finished out the quest line so i need to go do that um that's probably one of my, you know, my run-up to BFA things to do. Um, but, yeah, like, um, but that that one I got out of, not from, like, looking at the human system, but I got that out of, like, Collect Them All. Which, you know, we're talking about completionism. That fucking mod is, like, a, a life destroyer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the things. Did all I, the things. That's the one, yeah. Didn't yeah. I tell you about all the things? Yeah, even, yeah. Yeah, I believe you did. Uh, thanks for ruining my life. Uh, but, uh. You're that, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those things where I'm like, I'm like, you know, I open up the panel for um, Dalaran, and I'm like, oh, I got, you know, like, oh, what's what's this? It, it's a mount. It's like step nine. What is this? I like Google. I was like, oh, well, I, I guess I gotta start doing this. Um, you know, this started me like doing missions for fucking pet charms, and I hate pet battles. Um, but it's like I need the, I need those pet charms though. That way I can get like the toy and like complete my, my tool, my toy box. <laughs> that's funny. That's the completion. That that's like the completionist drive inside of you. Yeah. Just like yeah. No, turning away like the engine that, that is, that is forcing you to do stuff. Um, um, and it's, it's funny. Cause like at some level, right? Like I think that's a little bit more justifiable because like those rewards are worth me doing something. I'm not particularly fond of to get. And like, I think people who enjoy pet battles should be able to get rewards for doing pet battles, right? Like, 
my desire to have a fuller toy box means that I have to just kind of deal with it, and I, I think that that's fine. Um, uh, uh, but some, something kind of in this vein that I, that I wanted to, to, to kind of explore is like, um, this specific, this, this is kind of WoW specific, but I, I'm sure it's expandable. It's like achievements that like are, I don't want to say like th that are like hard to get, but not in like, uh, you know, a, it requires a lot of input from, or like a lot of kind of like circumstances to, to go correctly. The easiest, the easiest illustrative way I can think of this is right. Like, um, like something like those, uh, those light forge things that we were talking about, the, the armaments of, of the light or whatever. Uh -huh. Um, uh, they are, um, uh, like doing the armaments of the light is like a thing that you can do on your own. And, uh, it's all on, actually let's, let's do this like a couple different ways. Cause there's, um, uh, like getting the friend bird, right. Um, uh, is a thing you, you just go and beat, Mythic Argus before the BFA comes out, um, or Heroic Argus or whatever it is, and you get the, uh, you, you, you get the bird. Um, the, the light thing is a little bit different because it requires specific elites to spawn, and so that's got a random element too that can be kind of aggravating. Yeah. Um, on the far other end of this is something like Salty. One of the requirements is get first in the, uh, in the angling tournament, right? And that's the thing that happens once a week, so it's not, like, super accessible, and, you know, whether or not you win that tournament is, in a lot of ways, dependent on luck, and also in a lot of ways, kind of just dependent on how your, like, server shards, right, like, that's, like, um, and essentially, because it's so limited, right, like, I think it's more acceptable in, say, like, a, a multiplayer, like, a first-person shooter, um, where, like, you can just keep hitting matches until you get the match where you get four shotgun kills or whatever. Um, but in, in WoW, there's only one Stranglethorn Veil uh, tournament a week. Um, and so you could go for that achievement and just never get it because you never, luck never breaks correctly for you. Um, and it made it all the sweeter when I won it, right? Like, I felt like the best fucking fisherman, right, that I managed to get salty. Um, but, uh... I, I can't help but think that, that that that's frustrating and maybe bad um, kind of designed to have things locked behind those, those kind of situational uh, uh, achievements, right? Like especially one that, like, gives a reward, right? I think it's more acceptable to have that be a, be a reward, as, like, just kind of be an achievement um, rather than, um, uh, what's it, uh... Uh, then, uh, then like having something locked behind it, right? Like titles, I think, are a little bit less important. But like, if there was a mount based on on it, I, I feel like it would be worse. I don't know. What What do you think? There are some. There are some. You know, I don't know. I I part of me like wonders where I can draw that line between kind of, like, fair and unfairness. Like, I'm a person that's dedicated a lot of my life and my time to World of Warcraft, and I feel pretty fine saying... Like, if somebody were to come to me in BFA and be like, man, it sucks that we can't go back and do those mage towers, right? Like, I'm kind of the person that would go, like, that would have ruined it, right? Like, it would have ruined the, the, the kind of the achievement of completing the mage towers and earning that appearance, 
um, while Legion was current content when those those fights were... I mean, they weren't the hardest thing in the world, right? Like, they were released in 7.2 and then obviously um, got upped, you know, time over time. Uh, where people had more legendaries and, you know, Argus gear and stuff like that. Like, you know, the, the artifact power was, like, going through the roof. Like, they, they did make it accessible for people, um, for, like, more casual players by, by, like, the end of the expansion or whatever. Um, but I kind of feel like there is a certain time and place to be like, yep, you should not you have slept on it you know if you wanted the appearances you should have done it take some responsibility for yourself god damn it pick yourself up by your bootstraps right like to a certain extent but i also don't know that i would be mad if they put it on the black market auction house uh because that is the place for this stuff i like the black market auction house as a place for you know i could see i could see you know paying paying quite a bit of gold to get uh, to get the Mage Tower appearances because they are that, you know, like they are kind of like that competitive with the, with the community. Um, I don't know. In a lot of ways, I think that this stuff is like personal and I have, I have like an inclination that's like, I don't know why I need to factor my enjoyment of the game into someone else's playthrough. I've made this argument before about other things that I can't quite remember. Oh, like difficulties, right? Like, I think having low, like, I think having, like, easy difficulties to play through, like, a quote-unquote story mode of the game or whatever where the combat isn't all that challenging because you're playing Dragon Age because you want to play the story, right? Like, that's fine to me. I'm not going to get mad that they get, you know, they get a super hyper easy mode uh, to play through the game while I'm playing on, you know, whatever the hard mode is called. Um, and I, and so there is like a duality of logic there. I don't know what it is. Well, I, I, so, so part of that, I think to speak to is just the modes of game, right? Like I am with you when like, you know, outside of some esoteric arguments about like dev cycles that are spent on implementing different difficulty modes instead of the other games, which I think are tenuous at best. Um, like I, I think for a single player game, like those difficulty modes, it's, it's not like a, a huge issue, but a big part of multiplayer of massively multiplayer games is like the cool stuff you have. Right. And like the stuff that you've done to earn it. And like, you know, I was there and that kind of storytelling, right? Like if we like take the argument of like, I don't understand why, like, you know, why my playthrough is affected by anybody else's to, to the extreme, right? Like why not just give everybody every appearance, right. And like, let them make them look however they want because it doesn't bother me, right? But there's some, like, I think there's, like, you know, there's some pride in being, like, I downed this heroic raid. I've got this particular color set that, um, no, that, you know, nobody who didn't do it can have. Um, and that's valuable, um, at the time. And similarly, I think that this Mage Tower thing is, plays into that, right? Like, I was around during the Mage Towers. I made the effort to, to get the Mage Towers done. And, uh, this represents it and, 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 uh, a, a literal achievement or an accomplishment, if you will. Um, uh, you know, I, I have accomplished this, this feat of strength. Um, and I would like to show this off. And the fact that somebody else can get it with minimal effort cheapens it. Um, like, I think that's a big driver in MMOs, right? Like is, yeah. is doing things that, you know, doing things your own way and being able to show it off. Yeah, I mean, I am proud of the fact that I did 22 of these Mage Towers. I think I probably, out of all of the WoW people 
that we know. I'm probably the person that completed the most mage towers, and that's that is a point of pride. Um, and part of that, I mean, you know, part of that is just I level. I played the entirety of Legion right with really no breaks, and so um, I have, you know, I have 13 characters at level 110, uh, and half of those are you know, characters that I put time and effort into gearing up so that they could do, the, like, the mage towers. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so so kind of in that vein, some of the, you know, um, this, this just, like, really wraps back into the completionist aspect. Um, one of the, I think, most infamous achievements in WoW is the Insane, right? Yeah. It's, it's a feat of strength. You have to get a bunch of reputations that no one in the right mind could get, but it does reward you with the title of the Insane. Um uh, and I won't go into the details of how you get it, but uh, you know, suff suff suffice it to say that it is uh, a pain in the ass to get. It is truly. I mean, do you have boy, it? Is that a, is that a hard achievement? No, I actually, I, I am probably closer than a lot of people. Um, one of the things that hampered the insane, and especially hampers it now, is they actually changed. The reason it's a feat of strength uh, is because they changed some of the reputations to be even harder to get in Cataclysm um, because of how Dire Maul changed. And so getting the Dire Maul achievement, I think, is like fucking next to impossible at this point. Um, but it is also doing things like getting uh, getting exalted with the Bloodsail Buccaneers at the same time that you are exalted with Booty Bay. And the Bloodsail Buccaneers and Booty Bay reputations are tied to one another. So when you earn Booty Bay, you lose Bloodsail Buccaneer and vice versa. And there's a and there's only so there's only a couple of different ways that you can farm um, one without neg negatively impacting one, the yeah, other. Yeah, one without a negative impact to the other. One of them I think is actually fishing. Um, like I think you can turn in a fishing thing that doesn't drop your uh, Bloodsail Buccaneer, whatever. So like so yeah, it is truly insane and very hard to get at this point. Like if I was a fresh player, like. I honestly don't know how I would how I would complete it. And then there's like the Ravenholt reputation, which is like all the lockboxes. So if you're not oh, a yeah, rogue, the, it's... Uh, yeah, the only way to get the Raven Ravenholt reputation is to pickpocket certain enemies as a as a rogue or buy the lockboxes off of a rogue. So yeah, it's yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, so that all being said, um, it's a few of strength. It's kind of like you're not supposed to get it, but it has a title, and knowing that there's a title there is, is a driver for a lot of people, right? Like, I want to get yeah. that title. Um, is, is, does, that, does that cross some sort of line? Because I think it's the most extreme achievement I can think of with it some sort of material reward. Yeah, achievement I can think of. I don't know. Because I also think that you're, you're stuck in a... Like, you're stuck with a problem. Because <sighs> you're stuck with the problem of having given out the achievement already. Yeah. Like what do you do with... Like, okay, so let's say you, you want to get rid of the, the insane title. What do you do? So, so let's... Let, let's 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 ignore that problem because I, I I think that that problem is a valid problem. Yeah. Um. But let's let's for the sake of argument say that like this we're is making a new game and we're w wondering whether or not we should structure something along the lines of the insane hell or even like we're on the precipice of cataclysm 
and we just, you know, make the insane title no longer uh, acquire. We have the option to make the insane just like no longer acquirable, like a mage tower appearance, right? Like maybe you can buy it off the black market auction house or something. Yeah. Um, to kind of go back to, to your theme, is that like, um, it was because you, as you mentioned, it was easier pre cataclysm. Um, and that's why I got moved to the feature of strength category. Is is uh-huh. that is that a uh, is that a better solution? Yeah, I mean, I guess feet of strength makes it. it at least it's not there for like. Not I. I don't know how many people have done this. I know a couple of people have been able to complete every achievement in World of Warcraft, but like I feel like putting it on as a feat of strength kind of keeps it out of the hands of that sort of completionism in a way. Like, sure, I know it's there, but it's not counted against my like total. So it's kind of like above and beyond. And I don't get any, like, it's not, it's not like something like, you know, Total War Warhammer or Mass Effect 2, where if I want to 100% complete World of Warcraft, which, by the way, would be a fucking nightmare. Um, if I wanted to 100% complete World of Warcraft, I would have to complete the insane because it doesn't count towards that completion. So that's not so bad, right? Um, the only argument I'd say against that is because it has the title associated with it. Like, that's, that's materially enough, I think, to, like, kind of, like, bring it back over the line, right? Like, you need to, if you want every title, right? Like, well, you need to get the insane, right? Like, that's, like, a known title. Um, uh, and, and, like, I don't think it's the achievement itself that's the issue. I think it's more the fact that there's that title attached to it. Um, although, maybe you can make the argument that, like, well, there's plenty of things that... Like, if you class it in the same way that you class, like, the things that are no longer... Ex- like, the Mage Tower appearances, right? Like, it's basically a Mage Tower appearance with a way to... With, like, a way to achieve it now that is much more difficult, and therefore it's fine, I guess, because, because using that logic. I, I think I could buy that argument, that, like, it really... Like, the fact that it's still in the game... Like, it's... The game is telling you it's not in the game, but leaves it in the game in case you, you really want to, like, kill yourself... But, like, you should consider it not in the game as, like, a thing that was supposed to be gotten before Cataclysm. Because there are, there are things that, like, you, like, that no one will ever be able to get. I'm um, like, you know, the, the class of people that is capable of 100%ing World of Warcraft is tiny based on, like, you know, the old Encourage event, right? Like, one person got that mount, right? Like, the, the bug mount per yeah. server, right? Like, those are the only people who can, like, you know, quote-unquote truly 100% wow. Um, uh, you can get the mount off the black market auction. House. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure. Well, I don't know. Maybe uh, let me check that. I'm pretty sure everything in the game that is like an item, uh, you can get off the black market auction house. Um, see, I, I thought that like that particular mount, because it was so limited, like it was one person per server, was uh, was different. Although that would be another thing that would be a cool candidate for like, you know, people playing classic WoW. Uh, get to uh can can unlock it that way oh wow yeah i didn't even think about it that way yeah i mean i think a one per server is pretty not good in the first place yeah um, there's a reason they never did it again yeah um because I, w- I would generally agree with you um especially because it was built on the like it was built on the back of a cooperative event anyway uh-huh. Right, like, like maybe if it was like a server race for you know whoever, like you know, like um, you know, ser- like like the old server first achievements. I, there's still probably a couple of them, but like, 
Um, those are, like, all individually driven, though. And, like, yeah, you can boost it with your friends or whatever. And maybe that's why they're, it's not good to have server first achievements in the first place. But at least kind of, like, the ones that theoretically you, you do on your own, um, I like, I think are, are more acceptable with, with, like, the ones that, like, require a cooperative event to launch into them, I think, are a lot more onerous. Yeah, you know, it looks like it might not be in the ma in the on the black market auction house. I'm just trying to I'm just looking, but uh, yeah, maybe not. Because there are some mounts that are unattainable that you can only get through the black market auction house at this point. Um, like the two mounts from Zulaman, uh, or not sorry, not Zulaman um, from Zulgarub. When Zulgarub got changed, you can't get the Swift Zulian Tiger or the Swift Rizashi Raptor anymore. And then there's certain mounts that have been taken out of the game, the Plagued Proto Drake and the Corehound Chain, because you can only get the Corehound Chain during the 10th anniversary. Um, yeah, and then there was the, uh, and like the trading card mounts, right? Like the Turtle? Yeah, yeah, and then the TCG mounts, yeah. The Turtle and then the, um, the Rhino, I guess? I don't It's also a TCG yeah. mount. <clears throat> but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I you know we we ended up focusing a lot on World of Warcraft in this hour, but I think that's that's fine. It, it is kind of like the yeah. So do you have a, do you have a question to the, an answer to that question that I kind of like posed before a little bit? Like that twenty hour like the twenty hour games that we never end up completing. Like nobody ever sees the end of Skyrim or whatever the case may be, right? Like how good or bad is that? Do you think that those games are going away? They're going to stick around? So so those are a couple of different questions, right? Like, um, is are are the are those games bad? No, absolutely not. Because like my twenty hours can be completely unique from your twenty hours, from like Tim's twenty hours, right? Um, and I think having kind of like the the green field to experience those games in the way you want is super valuable. Um, and even though kind of like the efficiency per customer isn't necessarily there, the fact uh -huh. that there's like a lot of opportunity for anybody to experience the game, however you want that that would be like arguing that like. Crusader Kings should only, or, or you know, Europa Universalis should only ever let you play as England um, because most players are never going to play as all of the nations on the map, right? Like, right. I, um, So I, I think that th those games existing is, is fine. Um, whether or not they're going away, I think, is a, a much different story. I think they are... I think that, like, kind of in this, like... I don't want to call Bethesda, like, double A, but, like, it's, like... If we want to call maybe, like, the EAs and the Activisions uh, quadruple-A in, in a kind of way, right? Like, I think those companies are kind of, like, n we're never really there, and I think we're going to move away from them just because, like, you know, they're, they have a lot more corporation, like, in kind of, like, the corporation game dev studio balance, um, there's like a, a heavy hand on the, on the corporate side for them. And so I don't think it makes sense for them to make those games. I think they do take things into effect, like, you know, like, you know, basically game efficiency, but for like, um, prominent devs that have the hand on the other side, on the game side, game side of the scale, which would I would put it in like Bethesda CD project red. Um, I think you find this in, in a lot of Eastern European, uh, studios just because they're kind of like, there's not as much of a publisher market over there. Um, I think right. Blizzard falls into this category because um, Activision basically handles their business for them. Um, they will survive in, in in those kinds of studios because they have the resources to make those kinds of games, and they have like kind of the, the the raw passion behind it to actually care and do it. Right, like you know, make all the fucking Todd Howard sells you seven copies of Skyrim jokes you want. Um, Starfield's like 
very clearly like his baby and like a thing that he wants to do because he thinks it will be awesome and amazing and i have to respect him for that and um that's not a type of game that gets made at ea because ea is like but how why are the how are their loot boxes and how do you get the kids to spend another hundred dollars post sale right. um and so i think they're and they're going to be less prevalent if you know if the if the three classes of developers are like you know hyper triple a triple uh, a and kind of like indie which is not a great division but it will work for this purpose right like indies don't have the resources to make those huge games um like the, if you want to do that you end up procedurally generating a lot of stuff and it just doesn't work out as well i don't think um um although minecraft i guess is the exception to that um but before i lose my, my point right like those kind of like the hyper triple a's will I, I think are moving away from them but the the uh the kind of like um game focused triple a's i think will continue to embrace them because they are um uh in a way works of art right like in, in the same way that like yeah. academy pictures aren't the highest grossing films but are like you know passion projects of their directors i think that um prominent game designers uh will continue to to do that kind of thing right like like death stranding right obviously not the same style of like hundred hour game that you only engage with the 20 hours but like that's you know, like, th these are these people's passions, and uh, sometimes that passion isn't driven by by efficiency, so I think they'll stick around for that reason. Yeah, I, I, I feel that. That makes, uh, I guess that makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> oh, sorry, I just, you know, went with it. Made, made sense to me, too. Um, but we are... Uh, out of the hour of uh, of main topics, and we're into our weeks. Uh, how was your week? Uh, my week was pretty good. I think the best part of it was, boy, an hour and a half ago when I watched the Aquaman trailer for the first time. <laughs> I mean, you have to understand how much I've been waiting for this, right? Um, plus, I am, I, I, you know, the biggest thing about. Uh, the Aquaman trailer that I'm happy about is that the um, is that the story isn't going to be Black Panther. Uh, I was a little worried that it wasn't going to be. I mean, they didn't set this up in Justice League, but I wasn't really sure how much they were going to worry about the canonicity of Justice League. To be honest with you, given that like nobody liked that movie, including hardcore DC fans um, like me, and. Uh, <clears throat> It seems as though it's it is it's like it is the different movie. In a lot of ways, Aquaman is Killmonger in in the setup of the Aquaman trailer to Orm's uh, T'Challa, which I find very interesting because when I said because I said Black Panther is is going to be the better Aquaman movie because in a lot of ways Aquaman is dealing with the same sorts of things, right? It's about like the responsibility, of, like you know the the heavy is the head that wears the crown that's like the defining theme of like aquaman um and the thing that attracts me to it and the reason why i liked black panther so much and why i think black panther is my favorite marvel movie um but so seeing it from the opposite perspective where it is okay arthur hasn't been to atlantis in a long time um and he's not doing uh and he's not doing things um <clears throat> uh as a king and he has to you know do the do like the kind of King Arthur assuming the mantle story. I think that that's great. I think that's cool. I really liked the the vision of it. It was you know, <laughs> it's kind of like 
as big and bombastic as I always want these movies, uh, these movies to be, and it like embraces the, um, I don't know. There's like dudes riding sharks and fighting dudes riding seahorses. Like, how, do you not, how can you not love that mango? Um, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. I highly recommend everybody go watch that trailer like 10 times. <sighs> Is, is, was that your like whole week i guess that was my whole week i can't what else did i do i the boomsday project has started revealing cards um the boomsday project being the next hearthstone expansion that got announced uh for next year i'm sorry next month <laughs> um boy i don't know uh what else i do i played played a bunch of well how do you the, so the battle for azeroth pre-patch came out and we i've been like doing pre-patch stuff and seeing like the changes and everything like that have you looked at the changes to windwalker monk and outlaw rogue and stuff like that how do you feel about that stuff um i'm happy that um loaded dice is the core mechanic for uh uh for uh what's them called for for outlaw now right i feel like that's kind of necessary yeah um in order for the class to be healthy um for Windwalker, none of the changes feel super impactful. Um, like, uh, I, I feel like I'm going to need to, like, feel out how to fill out the talents a little bit more. Because, um, like, um, part of me wants to take the, the basically, the, 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 uh, uh, the, the Strike of the Windlord talent um, just because I'm used to it. But I'm not sure it's going to be the best thing um and there are definitely some interesting like i am happy that there are now i feel like interesting choices to be made on the talents right like it's not as like um wrote as it used to be um uh but nothing of it like the change when the pandaria pre-patch came out felt bigger um or not the pandaria pre-patch but the legion pre-patch pre during or no, the 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 wad pre patch during Pandaria. Oh, oh, okay, okay. Um, just because, uh, it kind of like fundamentally changed. Like, instead of maintaining, like you used to have two buffs to maintain, right? Like you you your tiger palm was just there to maintain a buff, and you were jabbing, um, otherwise, and they got rid of jab, just replaced it with tiger palm strike, uh, all the time. Um, that felt like a a, a big kind of paradigm shift. Uh, whereas I'm not convinced that any of these changes will really... It's, it's basically like... The biggest paradigm shift you come out of BFA would have been the... um Would have been like relearning the class without your artifact. But it's basically mitigating a lot of those changes. um Which feels weird. If you know what I'm saying. Um... Uh, and Outlaw, I don't think I know Outlaw enough to, like, really comment heavily on it, but, uh... Do you like that they changed Saber Slash, uh, and run through back to, um, <clears throat> what is it, Sinister Strike and Dispatch? Does, I, I mean, I... It, all, I, as far as I understand, all they did was change back the name and icon to what they were for old combat rogues. Um, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> okay. Like I actually think that that's bad, to be honest with you. I like Saber Slash and Run Through better than Dispatch and um, Sinister Strike. Like, I understand that Sinister Strike is a classic, whoop-de-doo, but... Yeah, I mean, I didn't play Rogue before 
this before uh, the pre the, the before lead- pirate boat. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't really have anything attached to, it, but I also don't I don't know I I don't care about those names, right? If you remember last episode, we were talking or the last episode we were talking about this, we were talking about like white attacks or whatever. Right, like I couldn't even remember the names of the of the of the fucking moves in the first place. So changing them to another name, I won't remember. It doesn't matter to me. Okay. What 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 about you? What what do you think of the the changes for the classes that you play a lot of? Um, boy oh boy, um, I like the some of the classes I've been playing have been really big changes. Um, like warrior, for instance. Um, when uh, they they changed the um. When they changed the class, they kind of made it a little bit... They made it a lot different compared to Windwalker. Um, and they also changed a lot about Survival Hunter, which I actually am not a huge fan of. Um, there's some things I like about the new Survival Hunter. It's a little more gadgety, um, and I think that that's okay to a certain extent, but it's like it's a little ridiculous because um, like a bunch of the moves are just like firebombs and shit. And it's just like, well, how many fucking firebombs do I carry on my person, Blizzard? Come on. Um, uh, but does that really matter to you? Like the uh... yeah, it kind of does. I don't know because because so uh, it's it's an engineering thing, you know, like bombs. Oh uh, yeah, as a, yeah, I feel as that. A, you know, as like a as like a, a consumable resource is like an engineering thing, and like I don't I don't begrudge like ammo, right? So for instance, another move that they got is serpent sting, right? Which is you pull out a little crossbow and shoot. You know, like a like a like a hand crossbow and shoot, and it uh, it applies a buff, and it's like that's fine. You know, like that's you know, like that's ammo, and I can that can be negligible for me. But the idea that like a core move now is wildfire bomb, and like I'm hucking a bomb all the time, that just feels weird, um, in a way that I don't know how to how to like deal with or reconcile. I guess. Um, I'm very sad that they got rid of gold missions. I mean, everybody knew that they were going to do this with the with the order halls, but boy, oh boy, am I sad that they got rid of gold missions because <sighs> making my money. I'm at two million gold, and I want to get a fucking Brutosaur, and it's going to take a while to get a big gold engine up and running again. I think. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. I, uh, I feel that. Did Did you get the uh, like the 500k like light forged whatever mount? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I have most of the I have most of the really expensive mounts. I don't have the spider. I can go get the spider now. Um, but I but by the time that I had enough to save, I had saved up enough for the spider. I wanted to get the um, uh, I wanted to get the brutosaur because the brutosaur had already been announced. Okay, that makes sense. How much does the transmog yak cost? Uh, like a hundred and twenty-five k. Oh, huh. I might be able to afford that. It's, like, that. relatively cheap. I, I recommend everybody go out and get one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have the regular Yak, which which works out for for my my, uh, my repair purposes. Um, I don't know. Those, so, it's kind of, like, in that, in, in the vein of completionism, right? Like, I am very proud of the fact that I have a Jeeves. Um, that yeah, can, that's a big one. Yeah. Um, especially because they very clearly are like, oh, we can't have that... Because we did it once, we can't do it again. And so everything is just, like, temporary versions of Jesus. Like, oh, I got, like, a regular one. Because uh, I spent too much time flying around fucking Northrend looking for, like, what is it, Serenite? Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, um, if we didn't have anything in particular to talk about 
otherwise, I I want to make another. I want to say that I've been watching more uh, Boku no Hero Academia. How, uh, how how much Boku no Hero Academia is there to watch? Fifty something episodes, and the the third season's still ongoing. Okay. Um, uh, you know, shout out to uh to uh to to friend of the podcast John, uh, who's just we do a B and H A episode. Um, I wanted to do it, and we just couldn't find the time to get Buddy to watch the first season. Yeah, I, I, I need more time to watch. I need more time to watch it. Uh, did, did but you... we'll try and watch everything, and and we will oh, definitely we... make a make a, make an episode out of it. Yeah, let's 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 do end of third season full series overview. Uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, Good call. <laughs> um, but yeah, have you did you manage to watch any of it or or no? No, no, no. Okay. Um, uh, once I real well because because we, we were talking about it and once I realized that I, there probably wasn't going to be a good way for me to watch, um, once I realized that there wasn't going to be a good way for me to watch some of it, uh, I just kind of was like, I'll wait on, I'll wait on it till till later. Just because okay. I like I, I did the hours in my head and I was like, I just literally don't have enough time. Okay. Um. um yeah. <clears throat> the fourth. Yeah. Awesome. So. Uh, but yeah, I've I've kept watching it. Um. Episode forty two has been my my uh, my favorite episode. For I got a good ugly cry out of out of that episode. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Was um, it pathetic? Um, it wasn't pathetic. It was just it was it was it was very very heartwarming. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, oh, I'm interested to see your take when you get to because like part of me thinks that you'll love it and part of me thinks that you'll think it's super fucking cheesy. Um, uh, so I'm interested for that conversation whenever it happens, but. We are in the run-up to Gen Con. Um, uh, in a week, the two of us will be flying to Indianapolis um, a little bit before Gen Con. Um, and next week will be Teen Titans, I believe. But the week after that will be Gen Con. But we wanted to do a little bit of, like, tips for, like, Gen Con, for those of you considering going, right? Yep. Um, so, so uh, just based on your experience, like, we, we, we've got... I'll, maybe I'll put a link to this document that we, that we made... Um, maybe I'll sanitize it because there's some like personal memes for us in here, um, uh, for like pro tips document. Uh, but, uh, uh, what, what is your top tip for Gen Con? Uh, if you, if you had to narrow it down to one. Man, that is actually a harder question to answer than I would have, uh, than I would have thought. I expect, um, this is one that I don't know because we have always been away from the uh, from the convention. But I expect that my top tip from Gen Con is going to be get a hotel near the you know get one of the one of the hotels near the near the convention if you can, um, because I think quite a bit of our Gen Con uh, kind of kerfuffles have been um, like rooted in and um, transportation transportation problems yeah yeah yeah. uh you know like there was one year where once you know jimmy fucking shout out to you you piece of shit uh left his badge in the hotel and i had the car and we drove all the way down and then i had to drive him all the way back to the hotel and then we drove all the way back down and stuff like that um and uh uh i'm i'm hopeful that this year because we got a, a better slot in the housing lottery all all of us are going to be um in the nearby um hotels like the hotels surrounding the convention center it's going to just make it a lot a lot easier to kind of like coordinate about stuff and do things um we don't have to worry about staying out too late or you know uh making a group of us uh or like kind of like putting a group of us 
at a in a in a bad position um, because of you know whatever the case may be, whatever the uh, whatever like the current sort of plans are, because we have to be worrying about traveling back, you know, yeah, in, two in the morning. To, yeah, at two in the morning or whatever, right? Like, like the because the, you know last year you stayed out and did a couple of like the super late night things, and I was always like loath to do those things because of this specific problem. Um, so, yeah, um, my my top tip for uh, is um, kind of in that vein, and like like you said, since we'll be close, we'll be less impactful. But something we did last year is we kind of booked ourselves really close together. We didn't leave enough room for meals, and so it kind of necessitated us getting like um, the what was it the the steak and shake at like it's not steak and shake is it steak and shake at like midnight, which ended up just getting us back to the hotel at two in the morning, and then we had to get to back to the convention center at eight in the morning the next day, which which involved us waking up at six thirty, so uh-huh. we could be like on the road by seven, so we could guarantee we were you know that's just like miserable. But I'd say like make sure to plan your gaps as well. Yeah, um, I think I like. Because even though, like, that will be less of a problem for us this year, I think that it's it's still important. Like, it'd still be better for us to not, you know, be killing ourselves um, to, like, eat food. Um, uh, something else I'd like to, to point out is that you should, uh, if you're going and you're a big Pathfinder or Dungeons & Dragons player, uh, is branch out, pick a cool system that you haven't tried before and do it. Um, I feel like going and just playing Path for Society for a whole weekend would be a waste. Um, not, nothing against Pathfinder Society, I just, you know, that's not, that's not my style, but there are so many cool games out there that you don't always have the opportunity to play with, and, um, some, some of them are, like, GM'd by, like, the designers, right, like, and I, I, I've always found that experience to be super, super rewarding. Um, you know, branch out, try new things. Uh, you got, you got another tip for the, uh, the, the, the boys at home? Um, I think my biggest other tip, uh, might be to kind of, um, uh, to leave yourself some time to wander the, like, just wander, like, the exhibit, the exhibitor's hall. Yeah. Um, and everything, like, I spent quite a bit of time my first year just kind of, like, doing that. And part of it is just, like, the raw commercialism of it. Um, obviously, but like part of it is just kind of getting into the back and seeing stuff. I think, I think this is one of the most important things to do in Gen Con, just from kind of like a, a community minded, right? Like insofar as we have a community of, uh, like nerdy gamers who are looking to do the same nerdy gaming type of shit, right? If I go, um, if I go to Gen Con and I don't spend some time looking through the annals of the, um, of the exhibitor hall, right? Like not like the big, the big stuff, not like the Paizo stuff. Right. But like a little guy who has a shop in, you know, fucking like Western Georgia. Right. And he brings, and he brings his shop up and he does something cool and interesting. And just spending a little time, like seeing, seeing all of those. Cause there's so many things like that. Like last year, for instance, you and I spent some time with some people who are working on software to make, um, to make like lore timelines or whatever. And I was like, that's pretty interesting. Like, that's pretty cool. And we spent a bunch of time talking to these people about how they designed their shit um, or whatever uh, to kind of like help DMs sort of like plan out campaigns because you could uh, like make these big complex story webs with their 
with their software or whatever. Um, and like I, you, like I wouldn't have seen that stuff if I wasn't just wandering around um, and looking and and really like looking into what was what was going on. Um, and I and I would, you know, and and I guess I encourage people. This is like this is politician buddy speaking speaking to the heart of america you know jaycon isn't just about the massive corporations like paizo <laughs> it's about the the you know small small business owners <laughs> um uh if, if any of you are out there is curious the uh the product that we were talking about is uh, archivos um i don't know why i remember that um but uh uh neat product if you like archivos okay yeah that's what it's called. yeah um, just because, you know, like, like you're, you're absolutely right. Like, um, you know, they're like, uh, last year for, um, uh, my 5e group, we do hero points. So I went and bought like some coins from like uh, a small shop that does uh, like, um, cool coin designs, uh, uh, f as, as like tokens. And I went, like, I went into the uh, exhibition hall knowing that that was the thing that I wanted to buy. Um, and there was a booth for it, right? Like, um. And if you go back to the back, there's, like, an artist's alley with, like, some more, like, you know, artistic stuff. Um, that's really cool. Um, uh, I've kick-started, uh, there's, there's these guys that make these wooden, um, uh, dice boxes. Um, uh, I think the Elderwood Academy, I believe, is what they're called. And they usually have a boot there. Um, like, uh, last year I spent, like, $80 on a single die, um, because it looked really cool. Um, that, that... Uh, that die rolls terribly, by the way. Um, Does it? <laughs> it? It like gets caught on itself and like and like comes out cocked like a good like thirty to forty percent of the time. Um, really cool looking die, but uh, I, I can't recommend it for like real play. Um, uh, but it was a really cool die. I will give you that. Um, I don't know. That's funny. <laughs> the the spectacle of it too, right? Like I'm I'm always pumped to the exhibitor hall to see. Uh, Upper deck, um, they usually have a spot on the on the lanyard, but every year they have like one big booth that's like super well decorated. I remember two years ago it was, um, their legendary card games like a trading card game based around yeah. like popular movies. Uh, last or two years ago I believe it was Big Trouble Little China, and they had like a giant like semi front like just sitting there, uh, like you know like it, like crash into a wall like in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, this year I I it's on the uh, badge thing, so I'm looking up. It's uh. Oh, it's X Files theme this year, so I'm super I'm super pumped to see what that is. Um, you know, you know the, the people that can spend money spend the money. Um, like I remember, I remember there was like a like like some of the I think there was like like some of the like the video game companies did something. Nothing nothing super huge, but like I don't know. My my personal favorite thing, and this is a good tip for wandering around the exhibitors hall, is Chessex has instead of doing like one big booth like the the dice people, they do like a handful of booths. Um, and so I remember my first year, I'd be like, oh, I'm near the Chessex booth. And then I'd, like, walk for, like, 100 feet and be like, wait, I'm near the Chessex booth again. How did I get what? <laughs> <laughs> so so if, you're new to, uh, if you're new to Gen Con, don't get confused by the fact that you've passed, like, the same Chessex booth three or four times. Um, but there's always cool stuff there, right? Like, every year I end up walking past, there's, like, a, a rare dice company that does, like, fucking gemstone dice. Um, uh just like cool niche products, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's definitely time to explore explore the uh, the visitors hall is 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 uh, is, is a, or exhibitors hall rather is a thing to do. 
Yeah, this is also going to be the first year that we spend some time pre-con together. Yeah. And I think that's going to be really helpful and cool and interesting um, because a lot of, like, a, a part of, like, part of the frustration, I feel like, from earlier um, trips to Gen Con has been around <clears throat> how, like, this is a time when we normally don't get to see one another. And so there's a certain temptation to just kind of like hang out and be, and like be bros. And I, I think that that's, you know, uh, good, obviously. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad that we're compartmentalizing that time. So it's not also going to compete with like time to be at the con. Right? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that was like, you know, like not that it caused a problem or anything, but like you guys went back and played some Starfinder because you want some of that bro time and to explore the system. I was like, I'm going to go get drunk at like, um, so this is actually another pro tip. Don't go to the cosplay deviance party. It's, it's kind of sad. Um, it's like build this like, <laughs> that, <laughs> that sounds really sad. Um, like, they're like a they're like a soft core porn site I think, um, and like the thing in the bar was kind of like, like even like not even like not that this made it any better but it was like, or or worse but it was like just like vaguely nerdy girls kind of dancing and like fat nerds being like gross it was just like, uh, like you know not not that like you know more more power to them if that's what they enjoy but I was just kind of like this. The bar is like the you know the um like the drinks were not great and like the environment was kind of like eh. Um although my favorite part of it was that like um the uh the, the socially awkward nerds uh formed a line at one of the bars instead of yeah. like like crowding at the bar, which I thought was fucking hilarious. I love that. Um Um But uh, I do kind of want to uh for any not that it matters so much this time, but uh, I think you should you should talk a little bit about uh, TDA and how it's not worth it. Um, I would say it, but uh, I never, I never actually went. Oh, okay, yeah. So TDA is a True Dungeon Adventure. Um, True Dungeon Adventure is kind of like a LARPer. It's kind of like casual LARPer, LARPing for casuals um, would be the way that I would describe it. Um, so here's what animates TDA. It's the idea that you and your friends are going to get together and not just like. Um, uh, not just play D and D, but you're going to like role play it out, right? Where you show up and you get your character sheets and their stats and everything like and things like that, but you are going to move through a real life dungeon um, that has been built by the TDA people, um, and uh, kind of like an escape room or something, kind of along those lines, right? Um, however, what it really comes down to at the end of it is um, is there are puzzle rooms and combat rooms. Um, the puzzle rooms are, well, actually the puzzle rooms are relatively engaging. Um, but the biggest part of solving the puzzle rooms is about, um, wait, you didn't do TDA at all? No, I remember I, I wanted to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You refunded your ticket. Yeah. Okay. Now I do remember. Yeah. You, you would have been driven nuts by this. Cause I know how much you have a tough time with like uh, procedural kind of play like this. Um, but, like, the hardest part is getting everybody in your group to work together towards a singular goal, right? And, like, fi like figuring out a strategy and just kind of executing it. There's a lot of too many cooks in the kitchen problems, uh, too many chiefs, not enough Indians kind of problems um, that, that, like, rise into that. And so, like, even if one or two people finds a good procedure um, in order to solve the puzzle, right? We actually squeaked across the finish line in the very final puzzle because I found the procedure and I just had to spend, like, 
it, it was like 10 minutes. I had to spend like five of those minutes just convincing everyone to follow my essentially algorithm um, to beat the encounter because uh, the, there was all this arguing about what is the strategy that we're going to take at all. And by the time that we did describe, yes, buddy strategy is the right fucking strategy, <laughs> um, the... Uh, 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 the encounter that like we were we were racing a ticking clock just to execute it. So that's like that's like in and of itself frustrating. Um, but it's it's a very mechanical and uh, it's like fast food. You know, nobody cares. The people who are there, like the volunteers or whatever, um, they're not trying to make it fun or interesting because they're kind of just on an assembly line. Um, so you don't get that experience of like having a DM for four hours because the DMs are locked to their same rooms and the rooms cycle every 10 minutes. So you get 10 minutes in a room with a DM and then you get shunted to the next room with a new DM and they're just DMing the same thing over and over again for eight hours a day. And like that kind of assembly line DMing is not going to get you any kind of unique or fun experience. It's just bad, you guys. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I can't imagine that that's fun for the people running it either. I can't imagine it's fun for them either. I mean, I know that being a TDA volunteer, like, they pay for your pass, I guess, and maybe they pay for your room if you volunteer enough hours. Um, you know, TDA. Yeah, it's, it's just not worth it. it it's also pay to win <laughs> uh, because, like, you, you get coin, you get these special coins when you. Uh, when you sign up, you get a bag with, like, randomized coins, and then at the end of it, you get um, coins based on whether you won or lost the, 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 the dungeon. Um, and the coins make your character better or worse in combat and stuff like that. Um, and you can just sit there and pay to buy little loot boxes of coins um, that are ridiculously expensive. Boy, is it just a racket and a ripoff. Sorry, TDA people, if you're listening to our podcast, I don't recommend it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, well, it, so- it sounds like uh, a deserved excoriation. Uh, uh, do uh, is there anything anything else big that we want to talk about? A lot of these, a lot of looking at this document, a lot of them are memes. Um, oh, something. Uh, it's kind of like not. This is like particularly. Uh, what's it called? Uh, uh, enlightening or anything, but if you're a big group, um, you're probably going to get split up. Um, uh, last year we booked a couple tables of ten, and we got split up into two groups of five. Um, this year we did a mega game with sixty plus people, and we we booked eleven people, but got screwed up, split up into a group of five, a group of four, and a book of two. I'm actually super looking forward to that. Um, I I am very much looking forward to the mega game. I think the mega game might be. You know, like the fixture, I guess. Moving forward. Um, uh, moving forward, yeah. It depends. It, like, it really depends on how cool it is. Because yeah. if the mega game is as cool as I hope it is, right? Like, if it lives up to those expectations in a way that TDA didn't, um, I could really see it be kind of like the thing that we come back and we do every year. Because it is truly a unique experience to Gen Con, right? You can't, you just can't get 70 people together. Um, in you know in any kind of uh in any kind of form except for like a big convention like this yeah so this, like you know just just because there are a couple other mega game events where they run this particular game um one in seattle and i think one in, in the bay area actually um because i was i was doing some research but your like your general point is is correct right like you can't do this every day you have to be in a, it's, it's like a once or twice a year event that you travel to 
Um, and so it, sh it should be really cool for that. Um, but that's the kind of last stuff I wanted to touch on on that stuff. Buddy, do you have anything else uh, you want to talk about with your week? No, 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 no. I am... Uh... I don't know. I am. Uh, I, I am good. Uh, everybody, go watch the Aquaman trailer and agree with me that it's great. Also, there were other trailers that were shown. Did you see any other ones like Shazam? Oh yeah, yeah well, you saw Shazam. Yeah. Nigga thinks Shazam looks lame. I think it looks fine. Actually, th there's stuff I like about that trailer, but stuff that's also puts me a little wary. Like as Mango pointed out, there's a bit of bathhouse in there that I'm a little like mm, about. But you know, we'll see. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if, if you like to tell us what you think of the Shazam trailer, um, or uh, collect uh, collecting things, completionism, there we go. Um, or any of the other things we talked about on this podcast, you can email us at podcast.sumdervisplaygames.com or sumdervisplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash sumdervisplaygames. Uh, rate and review us on iTunes and wherever good podcasts are found, also wherever terrible podcasts are found. Um, and uh, contact us in any way. Uh, we love we love hearing all that stuff. Um uh, that's everything I had, buddy. Do you have anything else that you wanted to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>